For the last several Sunday mornings, we've been talking about prayer principles. Principles of prayer. And in James 5 and verse 13. James 5 and 13. He said, is any among you afflicted? That word involves the idea of going through tests, going through trials, problems, tribulation. What do you do? Let him pray. Pray. Let who pray? Him, the one that's going through the problems. Let him pray. Don't always try to get other people to do your praying for you. You pray for yourself. I've had uh, men tell me before, you know, well, my wife is the prayer in the family. And then they went on to imply that they didn't do much praying. Well, thank God for your wife that can pray, but she can't do your praying for you. Right? And uh, thank God for your mother who can pray. But you better learn how to pray for yourself. Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Well, that's just as true. You get happy. God's done something for you. What do you do now? That was three people. (laughs) Does this apply to everybody? Or just people who've done recordings? This is for everybody. Somebody says, well, I can't sing. Not true. Everybody can sing. (laughs) You hadn't heard me, Brother Keith. No, everybody can sing. Say it out loud. Everybody can sing. How many? Now, not everybody should be given a microphone on the platform. (laughs) Not everybody should record. But everybody can sing. And it's a blessing for you to sing. You ought not go long periods of time and not sing before the Lord. Now, I know I'm talking to people right now. You never do this. Ever. But this is not me talking to you. Did you hear the scripture? Going through problems, do what? Pray. You happy, do what? Sing. Well, if you're going to obey the Bible, now you got it in front of you. So, uh. Your wife and your husband, your cat and your dog, your neighbor is liable to hear something new <laughs> the next few days. <laughs> Go ahead and act on the word. It'll bless you, I'm telling you. You know, you begin to well up in your heart all the things the Lord has done for you. And you begin to think about his goodness and see him come through for you. And mark all this stuff off your list. And bless your babies and your kids and your youth and your business and everything else. And it comes up in you. You don't just think happy thoughts. You go, oh, I praise you, Lord. I give you glory. I'm happy today because of you. You are the one who's brought me through. You are the one I always look to. You are my God and I will worship you. I will worship you. I will worship you. Or ever how you do it. Right? Ain't got to be like that at all. But it should come right out of your heart. Not something pre-planned or made up or, you know, memorized. Something right out of your heart. And I guarantee you, you'll begin to come up in anointing. You'll begin to sense more of the presence of the Lord. 
You'll begin to draw nearer to him. And what do you say he'll do then? He'll draw nearer to you. Can you say amen? amen. So how many can sing? All. <laughs> that wasn't everybody. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the Bible. Do with it what you will. He went on to say, verse 15, talking about the prayer of faith would save the sick and the Lord would raise him up. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another that you may be healed. So he's talking about prayer all through here. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. It avails much. Does it do any good to pray? It avails much. Right? He gives an example. He said Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. Human, just like us. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Can prayer affect things in the earth? Absolutely. Change the very atmosphere. Change the very cycles of nature in the earth. Change the cycles in the body. Change systems, organs, glands. Amen? Change the economy. Change the government. Right? Thank God for the privilege of prayer. Now, we don't give the glory to prayer. Because that's an indirect way of giving the glory to the prayer. Right? We give the glory to the one who answers the prayer. But he said, you have not, because you ask not. And then in James, he talks about how you got to ask in faith. So uh, we do have a part. And there are things that are not done because people didn't ask. And because people didn't ask believing. So we've been going over this for some weeks now, and we've asked the question, what is prayer? We said prayer is communing with God, communion, or fellowship with God. We talked about how to pray, and we said technically, you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We spent quite a bit of time on that. We talked about how not to pray. Jesus warned us about vain repetitions, right? He warned us about praying to be seen of other people. We went back and looked at how the Lord in the beginning was very strong about you don't make any images. You don't make any statues. You don't pray to pictures. We said counting beads is not praying. Spinning wheels is not praying. We're never told. There's not one verse in the Bible that talks about praying to Mary. Or praying to any of the saints. Or praying to any of our ancestors. Did you hear me? Nor do we pray to angels. Did you hear me? Who do we pray to? We pray to our Father God. In the name of Jesus. Right? And then we begin talking about how do you pray? Anybody remember any of that? How do you pray? And we're looking... At the best prayer who ever prayed. You know who that is? 
That's the master. Jesus. And he demonstrates prayer in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But he taught on the subject of prayer repeatedly. And so we stood up, you know, if you remember, and we said out loud, Lord, whatever you say how to pray, that's what we're going to do. Right? And we're still doing this. And so we're looking at verse and verse, place after place, where Jesus spoke and taught on the subject of prayer. He told us how to pray. One of the first main things that he said about prayer is love. He said, uh, you know, pray for people who despitefully use you and mistreat you. Mark eleven twenty five says, when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against anybody. If you, when you're praying, I should say it like this, you're praying to love. God is love. And we are to pray to love in love. We know we're supposed to pray in faith. We've talked about that. But how many remember that faith works by love? So that's why the Bible said in 1 Peter 3, uh, husbands are to treat wives a certain way. Wives are to treat their husbands a certain way. Basically, it talked about respect and love and honor. And if you don't, he said to do that, lest your prayers be hindered. So failing to walk in love will hinder your prayer life tremendously. You can't hold grudges. You can't be mean. You can't be selfish and run over people and and ignore other people all the time and only think about yourself. That will cause you to be an ineffective prayer. We pray to love. We pray in love. When you come before the Lord, you know, if you read uh, in your Bible reading this week, which I'm sure everybody at Faith Life Church, right? And this week we're reading in Matthew. And did you read about how that, you know, when you bring your offering or your gift before the Lord and you remember that your brother or somebody has ought against you, what do you do? You don't give your gift yet, right? You go and get it right with them. Then you come back and bring your offering. Wonder if that's still true today. Well, certainly it is. Before you start to pray, before you start to bring your offering before the Lord in the service or church or give a gift to anybody, if you want it to be accepted of the Lord. So you know you can give in church and the Lord not receive your offering. Do you know that? You can pray and the Lord not receive your prayer. So this is vitally important. Before you do it, you check your heart. You know, have I hurt anybody? Have I wronged anybody? You know, well, no, not as far as I know. I straightened it out if I did the best I knew how. Now you're ready to come pray. Not until then. And then now you're ready to come bring your offering before the Lord. I don't think this has been emphasized as much as it should have been. But it's right there in the scripture, isn't it? So in love is how we pray. Then secondly, we studied that Jesus taught you pray in faith. And then also we saw that he taught us to ask. And then last week we talked about the difference between asking and requiring are demanding. There's a time when you pray and there's a time when you say. Right? Well, let's go on today to another area of prayer. Go please to the book of Luke. The book of Luke. And let's look at the 18th chapter. You know, there's a reason why we review like we do. It's not because we don't have enough material to fill the time. (laughs) <laughs> I think you, you never wondered about that. But uh, <laughs> there's numerous reasons why. 
Jesus said, a scribe that's instructed in the kingdom of God is like a householder that brings forth out of his treasure things old and things new, things familiar and things unfamiliar. And also, you know, the Apostle Paul in Corinthians talks about how that God used him to lay a foundation and then teachers to build on the foundation. And that's what's happening in the kingdom of God. And I understand if you don't get the foundation right, there's no need to start working on the second floor. Right? I mean, because you're just asking for trouble. And if you don't have the first part, there's no need going on to the second. And so that's why we'll do that. And sometimes you'll see the Lord will lead us to just stay on that. And we don't seem to get to the other part. You know, I learned from the Holy Spirit, but then also through Brother Hagin. He was always a great one to review. I remember many times he reviewed the whole session. Never got to anything new, so to speak, from what he had already covered in previous times. And somebody asked me about that one. They said, why, Brother Keith, why he keeps telling the same stories? You know, he keeps going over the same thing. I don't understand it. I said, I'm sure when we get this, he'll go on to something else. That's a fact. You know, people think, well, I'm tired of hearing the same thing. Well, wake up and get it. (laughs) And then we'll move on, right? (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, in Luke. The 18th chapter, are you there? Let's talk about another area where Jesus taught on how to pray. Luke 18. You'll also see something, we're going to get into something significant about mothers here too. Luke 18. He spoke a parable to them, to this end, that men ought always to what? Pray and not to faint. Not to faint, not to give up and quit. So what's the purpose of this parable? What are you supposed to get out of it? That you always pray and you don't quit. You don't faint. Give up. Say, he gave this story. He said, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, had no respect for God, neither regarded man, didn't respect people. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. Obviously, she had been terribly wronged, and she's asking him as the leader to do something about it and to make it right. And he would not for a while. But afterwards, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. He said, I I don't respect God. I don't care about her, but she just keeps coming. So I'm going to do something about this so she will quit. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night to him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. Amen. I believe he'll find some in Branson and many places. Amen. But we should do our part. Well, Jesus is not comparing the Father to an unjust judge. He's showing a contrast. He's saying if this man, who's unjust and unfair, if he will, Take care of the woman and do right by her. In other words, how much more shall our faithful God 
take care of his people who keep bringing things before him in prayer. Can you see this? Go with me back a few pages to the 13th chapter of Luke. This is another thing that Jesus taught on prayer. It goes hand in hand. There is an area of prayer where you must demonstrate persistence. You must continue in it and persist in it and remind the Lord of a thing and bring it up to him again. In uh, Luke, the 13th chapter, verse 1. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. That's a terrible thing. And Jesus answering said to them, Suppose you that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You know, doing right, and if you're not doing right, repenting is the key to not being judged. The Lord said, judge yourself, right? And you won't be judged. That's repentance. So sometimes people look at repentance as a negative kind of thing. But friend, repentance is a wonderful thing. It means you don't get judged. It means you don't reap what you sowed. Did you hear me? I've heard Christians even say sometimes, you know, they're just wrong thinking. They say, well, you know, I made my bed hard. I'm just going to have to lay in it now. You know, I sowed this back when I was a young person. I guess I'm just reaping, you know. I met fellows trying to tell me this one time. He was uh, a man now in his uh, late 60s, I guess. And he said, you know, when I was a young man, I was wild and, and I drank and I smoked and I did this and I did that he said you know and and I guess I'm just reaping all the benefits of this and he wouldn't even try to believe for a healing because he said well I'm having to reap what I've sown well you know if we have to reap everything we sow then we're going to hell did you hear me and we're going to be broke and sick and defeated all of our short miserable life while we're here but no no somebody who did no sin took our place And reaped our sin. Reaped the judgment for it. So if you will repent and put faith in him. You don't have to reap bad things that you've sown. Did you hear me now? Now if you don't repent and you won't believe on him. Then you will reap it. You will. I'm so glad I'm not reaping it. I'm not going to hell. How many not going with me? I'm not going. I ain't going. And I'm not going to reap destruction in this life. I'm going to reap blessing. Amen. Amen. You know, that's the greatest trade that you ever made. He took your sin. You got his righteousness. He took your curse. You got his blessing. Glory to God. He took your punishment. You got his benefits. Oh, thank God forever. What a trade. Well, he said, went on to give another example. He said, those 18 verse 4. Now, this would have been things like you see in national paper or on national news. Eighteen people died because a tower fell on them. A building fell on them. Everybody knew about it, and it was talked about. And people who were religious tried to figure it out. Well, why were those 18 killed instead of some other folks? I know one of the guys that was killed in that. He was a pretty good fellow. 
I know a guy that's down the street from me. He works in that, that tower. And he's just mean as the devil. And he was spared. I don't understand that. And you see Christians all the time trying to figure this out. Don't you? And people even write books about, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? And why don't bad things happen to bad people? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. People trying to figure it out in their minds. And then people come to the conclusions, well, life is not fair. And what they mean by that is God is not fair. The implication is God is not fair. There's no rhyme or reason to any of this. I mean chance. Sometimes you're lucky. Sometimes you ain't. And you know, sometimes it hits you. And sometimes it don't. And you just never know. Huh? Which we all at Faith Life Church know that is not a scripture. Right? No. The Bible talks about us knowing some things. Ephesians told us not to be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We're supposed to know what his will is. He's given us his word to reveal it to us. But he said, you know, do you think that they were sinners above everybody else that dwelt in Jerusalem because that tower fell on them and killed them? He said, I tell you, no, that wasn't the case. Wasn't because they were worse people than other people. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now keep reading. All this goes together. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he to the dresser of his vineyard. Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree. And I find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord Let it alone. Now this all goes together. This is prayer. This is intercessory prayer. A lot of people call all prayer intercession and it's not. But this is intercessory prayer we're talking about here. What did he say? Lord, spare it. He said, uh, let it alone this year also. Give it some more time. And I'll dig around it and we'll fertilize it. And then if it bears fruit, good. And if not, then after that, you can cut it down. That's intercession. Now, what does this have to do with the first part? Why were there some people that normally would have been at that tower who weren't there? Why were there some people who were spared, who were around the tower? But it seemed like it fell on them, but it didn't hurt them. They escaped miraculously, while other people just seemed to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Why? He said, it's not because they're worse sinners than anybody else. Unless you repent, it could happen to you. But what? He goes on to talk about how that somebody stands in the gap and asks, Lord, have mercy. Spare them. You know, I'm sure you've heard some of it too, but we were in a position, especially on 9-11, when the Twin Towers were attacked and so many people died. We know some people who live in that area and were privy to some personal testimonies about people who worked in those buildings. And I'm telling you, it's amazing how many people that should have been there weren't there. 
It's amazing how many people were spared. All the things that happened. I know some people lost their lives, but there were a lot of people who were spared too. Thousands. Thousands. And you see that again and again and again. And friend, it is not without rhyme or reason. Why then? You might say, well, I know, but that guy that worked up there, he's money hungry. He's greedy. Why was he spared that day? Do you know his mama? Do you know his grandma? Or his daddy or his grandpa or his brother or his sister or, you know, his mama's pastor or Pastor's wife, or you understand what I'm saying? You don't know everything behind the scene. But again and again, if you could look behind the veil, there'd be somebody. A bunch of mamas and grandmas and other people. Amen. Amen. Saying, Lord, (laughs) I know they're living like the devil. I know they are. But that's my baby. (laughs) Have mercy on my baby. I know if they get what's coming to them. Judgment is close. But spare them. Spare them. We'll work with them some more. We'll dig around them and, and prop them up and, and give them some more time. And I tell you what, the Lord hears these prayers. And He answers them and He grants time and space for repentance and change. And millions are spared that would have otherwise been judged because of this. Glory to God. Don't you thank God? Don't you thank God? Oh, my, 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 my. I know my grandmother was one of these. She's in heaven now. But a praying woman. Woman who knew God. She had seen no things supernaturally. I think she had the ministry of a prophetess in her life and didn't know it. Nobody knew what it was. or They called her a witch. And she was shunned and scorned by some because she'd see things and have dreams and visions and know things. They didn't understand it, but they came to pass. Some of the very people that mocked her and made fun of her. As a young man, I saw grown men come and kneel beside her rocker and cry and ask her to forgive them because everything she said come to pass. They mocked it and spurned it in the beginning, but it came to pass. Well... You know, my great-grandfather donated the land for the first Pentecostal church in our area. And my grandmother was a secretary and treasurer and Sunday school teacher for, I don't know, what, 40 years? I mean, she taught generations. And they never forgot her. And uh, my dad knew right from wrong. And my mom, too. But as young people, and, you know, I was born early in their marriage. And as young people, they did not serve the Lord. They ran from him. Well, thank God, though, that Mama didn't give up. So, uh, in, I guess, what, I was uh, 15, I believe it was, and my brother was 12 or 13, and he was riding a motorcycle and came over a hill in the middle of the road and ran head into a truck, hit the bumper with his head. That's what stopped him. Well, they rushed him to the emergency room, and... uh They didn't expect him to live, you know, through the next few minutes. I mean, his skull is split open. His neck is broken. I mean, his face is torn apart. He, you know, they expected him to die right there on the table. But he didn't. And they had time to transport him to a a larger hospital an hour or so away. And they expected him to die. In fact, he laid there in the emergency room 
and they had some gunshot victims come in, that kind of thing. They let him lay there because they didn't think there was more hope for these other guys than him. They just let him lay there for a longer time, but he didn't die. And eventually they got to him. The next day, everybody said next day. The next day, I was pushing him down the hall. He and I were laughing and cutting up. The next day. Amazing. Well, we came home. My grandmother sent word for us to come see her. We did. We filed in there. She's very soft-spoken. She said, uh, she began to cry, sitting on her couch. I'll never forget it. She said, now, Billy's my dad. Billy, the Lord has spared our baby like we asked him to. She said, now, we're going to serve the Lord now, aren't we? (laughs) 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 I tell you what, it wasn't a dry eye in the room. And Billy said, yeah, mama. And the next Sunday, we was in church. (laughs) All of us. And the Lord spared us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've seen that kind of thing again and again and again and again. Thank God that he hears prayers. And even though people are going the wrong way, your loved ones, your children or grandchildren or brothers or sisters or friends. Oh, how important it is that you don't give up on them. That you don't forget about them because you may be the only thing. I'm talking about you asking for the mercy of God may be the only thing. Standing between them and destruction. Standing between them and their life being cut off and going to hell. So when the Lord brings them up on your heart. You bring them before him again. You say, Lord, have mercy. Give them some time. Spare them. Right? And that's how people are spared. Go back with me to 2 Kings, please. Oh, thanks be unto God. His mercy endures forever. Go to 2 Kings chapter 4. Second Kings 4. The story is told in this chapter of the prophet Elisha. And how God put it on this woman's heart to take care of the man of God. This woman of Shunem. In verse 8 you begin reading about it. And uh, she had money. Isn't it good to have money? She was wealthy. And had a nice house that she owned. And she told her husband, she said, uh, you know, this is a real holy man of God. He keeps coming through here. And so they kept inviting him to come eat with them. It's good to have extra to invite guests. Right? Have a nice, fully equipped kitchen. With the best of the best. Right? That you can feed 10, 20, 30, 40 if you want to. That was too weak. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good to know how to cook. Must have been pretty good. He kept coming back. She said, this is a real man of God. 
And she said, you know, I, I'd like to see him have a place where he could be comfortable. He could get quiet. You know, uh, a lot of people don't think this way, but you know, I've traveled a lot over the years. And people who understand, they try to take care of you when you come in so you don't have to deal with a bunch of unnecessary stuff so you can get quiet and be comfortable. If they do have understanding, they realize this affects what kind of services we're going to have. I've had other people just leave us out at the airport for a half a day. Nothing taken care of, nothing prepared. Well, you can be sure if they didn't prepare naturally, they didn't pray either. They haven't prepared spiritually. It's just a fact. The two go hand in hand. Well, this is a woman who had some understanding. She said, uh, you know, I'd like for him to have a place, but I don't want him just laying in there on the couch in the living room. Let's build an addition onto the house. He said, that's great. Let's do it. So they built an addition onto the house, another master bedroom suite. It's good to have money. Amen. Amen. And they built a nice big bedroom with a little study area and a desk and a private bath and everything. And so when he came by, he'd go in there and get quiet and hear from God. One day while he's praying, the Lord dealt with him. We got to do something for this woman that's being so kind to you. Called her in. The Lord gave her the desire of their heart. A baby. How many know a, a little remodel job is not like a baby? It pays to obey God, doesn't yeah. it? Amen. And so uh, the child grew and they enjoyed him. And one day he was out in the field and something happened to him. It's like he had a stroke or something. And just like that, he's dead. And they brought him to his mother. And his mother looks at him. And she tells the servant, go get the car. There's a donkey. Go get the car, quick. He went and got him. She said, uh, put the pedal to the metal. And don't stop till we get to the man of God's house. Now in that day, you couldn't go to God directly for yourself like we do today. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in them personally, everybody like we do. They didn't have the name of Jesus. They couldn't come before the throne of grace like us. So the closest thing she could get to was the man of God. And buddy, there she went. Are you reading? Look down at verse, uh, let's see, verse 24. She saddled the ass and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Slack not your riding for me, lest I tell you to. Keep this thing in the wind. So she went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray you, to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? She answered, It is well. Let's just stop right here. Why would she say that? Now, that's another way of saying it's going to be all right. Everything's fine. Everything's going to be fine. Now, we read, you know, about the uh, standing in intercession for this tree and saying, Lord, you know, let it alone this year and we'll do something. And then he went on to say, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? You see, these two go together. 
Some people get confused when you talk about standing and standing in prayer and persistent prayer and they get away from faith and they just get into begging and begging and begging repeatedly, repeatedly asking a thousand times for the same thing and never believing God heard them. Well, no, 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 no. You can see this. Obviously, that's not what she did. She's persistent. You're going to see that in a minute, but not persistent in unbelief, persistent in faith. She said, it's going to be fine. It's well, it will be well. So, when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. (laughs) She laid hold of him. And Gehazi came near to pull her off. And the man of God said, no, no, leave her alone. Her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord has hid it from me and has not told me. You know, just because you're a prophet doesn't mean you know everything. Right? No. See, some people misunderstand these things. They say, well, if somebody, some people don't even believe in prophets today, but every ministry gift that we've ever had, we still have today. Yeah. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and prophet ought not to sound any more weird to us than pastor. Yeah. Did you hear me? Yeah. Apostle shouldn't sound any more weird to us than evangelist. But because of lack of teaching and understanding, some of these things have been lost. But the prophet doesn't know everything. He only knows what the Lord reveals to him or her. Then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up your loins, take my staff in your hand, go your way. If you meet any man, salute him not. If he salutes you, answer him not again. I mean, don't let anything slow you down. Get there, put my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. She said, I ain't going anywhere. I'm here. What's she doing? See, this is the closest thing she could do to laying hold of God. Because she didn't have access to the throne then like we do today. But man, she laid hold of him. Persistence. And she said, no, 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 I'm here. I will not leave you. So he rose and followed her. And you know the story that he went in there and he laid on the child. Verse 34 says he put his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands, stretched himself on the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. It had been cold and stiff, had been dead. Glory to God. He returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. Uh, Apparently again. How many understand some things you got to stay with? Just because you don't see everything change because you prayed five minutes ago doesn't mean you go, well, I guess it just wasn't the will of God. No, you stay with it. And you keep on and you persist. Keep expecting. This time the child sneezed. That's a good sign for somebody that was dead. Seven times. And the child opened his eyes. Oh, glory to God. He called Gehazi. He said, call the Shunammite. So he called her. And when she was come in, he said, take your son. Then she went in, fell at his feet, bowed herself to the ground, took up her son and went out. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God forever. Thank God for mamas that don't quit. Amen. Thank God for mamas. Mothers who lay hold of God and say, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, no. No, no, Lord, I can't be satisfied with it like this. They got to come on in and serve you. No, no, I can't be satisfied with them being sick like this. I know they hadn't been serving you. I know they hadn't been believing you, but have mercy. Have mercy. 
I know uh, we were in, uh, I guess it was Baltimore one time. And we left there and we went to D.C. and we did some other things. We came through a rough part of town, really rough part of the city. And one of the pastor's wives, uh, the pastor's wife that was with us, accompanying us, we looked out on the street and there were these gang looking folks and I mean rough, rough looking characters on the corner. And you'd be tempted to think, well, you know, I don't think we ought to stay here very long. We ought to keep moving. And then this is what she said, though. She looked at him. She said, that's somebody's baby. <laughs> I thought that's a mother talking in it. That's somebody's baby. Other folk, somebody saw somebody so mean and rough, they didn't want to even be around them. She said, that's some mama's baby. That's, that's somebody's baby. <laughs> that's how God sees us. No matter how rough they are on the outside. That's some mama's baby. That's somebody's child. And God will happen to be his child if they'll receive. Go with me to another place. Two openings. Isaiah, the 59th chapter. Just hold that. And then uh, Exodus 32. I think I'll be done. Isaiah 59. Exodus 32. Let's go to Exodus first. Exodus 32, then Isaiah 59. Exodus 32, are you heading that way? I'd like for us to be reminded of the power of this kind of praying. What an awesome thing it is. The Bible teaches that prophets, real prophets, are prayers. I won't take time to go into that. But Moses, the man of God, a prophet, a leader of the people, and a prayer. How many remember that he prayed for the people? Repeatedly. And in Exodus, the 32nd chapter, Moses was up in the mount with God. Receiving the commandments. And he delayed. You know he was 40 days up there. Didn't come down right away. And the people decided. We don't know what happened to Moses. What are we going to do? Now it hadn't been. Less than 40 days ago. That the Lord had given them the 10 commandments. The first 10. And then he told them about not worshiping any idols. And they all stood up before the Lord and said, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever you say to us, we'll do it. Well, here, just, I mean, it's less than two months later. They decide to make them a calf. It really aggravated the Lord. I mean, that's not a strong enough word. It made him furious. It did. And he told Moses, while he's still up there in the mount, in verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, go get you down for your people, which you brought out of the land of Egypt. (laughs) Now, that's not a good sign. He's not even claiming them anymore. He said, that's your bunch. This is God talking. I understand they have crossed the line, brother. Your bunch. They have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly. Out of the way which I commanded them. It hadn't been too much. 
They stood up there and said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord, he's God. We're going to worship him only. Yeah, yeah, right. No idols. Right. No other gods. Right. Yeah. Hadn't been two months. They made a molten calf. And they worshipped it. And they sacrificed to it. They're praying to the calf. Giving offerings to the idol. This really made the Lord angry. They said, these be your gods, O Israel, which have brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Who brought them out of the land of Egypt? This calf? Now, you know, that's very obvious how ignorant that is. But you know, today, people do similar things. I mean, the Lord brings them out and they give the glory to something else. Well, it just would have happened. Lord, heal you from a terminal disease. Well, it just went into remission. We don't know what. He healed you. Give him the glory. You were going under financially and it turned around. Well, you know, they finally saw the light and came around and did what they should have done. God spared you. Give him the glory. Hmm? Give him the glory. Every time. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. And behold, it is a stiff-necked people. What does that mean? Stubborn, hard-headed, unteachable. Right? You can tell them, it's just like you didn't even tell them. Tell them, they're going to go and do what they want to do anyway. Now verse 10, what did it say? What did the Lord say? So what? Now therefore... Let me alone. Now, why would he say that first? Well, friends, are you getting this now? Are you getting this? How powerful this is. What does he tell him? In other words, he's saying, I know what you're thinking. You're getting ready right now to start praying. Ask me to have mercy. No, leave me alone. Because that's the mode Moses was in. Right? And thank God. And in this regard, he is a type of our Savior. Doesn't the Hebrews tell us that there's somebody at the right hand of majesty on high who ever lives to make intercession for us to be the stand between, the go between? He said, leave me alone. I don't know about you, but those three words, they speak volumes to me. What does it mean? See, people try to paint a picture of God that's not true. That is everything set in concrete. He's going to do what he wants to do, no matter what, no matter what anybody says or does. Then why would he say, leave me alone? Because if Moses prays and makes intercession, it's going to make a difference. Even though the Almighty, the creator of heavens and earth, is really mad. (laughs) He said, now leave me alone. This is not the only time you'll see this. There's more than once where the Lord told his prophet, his man, leave me alone. He said, so that my wrath may wax hot against them and I'll consume them and I'll make of you a great nation. Now, a lot of people would have thought that would have been great. They would have said, yeah, wipe them out. I don't like them either. (laughs) And it won't be the nation of Israel. It will be the nation of Moses. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Moses. 
people. Yeah. And Moses did what? Oh, come on. Now, Moses besought the Lord his God. And he said, Lord, why are you so mad? That's bold, brother. That's bold. Lord, why is your wrath wax so hot against your people? Whose people? (laughs) Your people. You know, you're the one that brought them out of the land of Egypt with your great power and with your mighty hand. You know, they're your people. You brought them out. And you know, why should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief, he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and repent of this evil against your people. Well, that's strong. Now, I want you to see something, though. If the Lord had wanted to wipe them out, he didn't have to say anything to Moses. Did you hear me? Moses would not have had the understanding to say what he said or to pray what he prayed. Unless the Lord gave him that place. But see, we're talking about prayer. There are legalities involved. You have not. Why? Because you ask not. And unless somebody asks, and unless somebody asks in faith, the Lord does not have a legal right to do certain things in the earth. He is the righteous judge of all the earth. If something should be judged, he's the one responsible to see to it that it's judged. And if there's no intervention, then that's what has to happen. Oh, but if somebody will stand up who is in covenant with God, somebody who has faith and will ask him that he has a right legally to intervene in earth affairs and do what he had in his heart a desire to do. Did you hear me? But he had to have the legal access to do. Can you say amen? Just hold your place here. Don't, don't turn there. I'll just read it to you. That scripture in Isaiah 59. He said he saw that there was no one and was appalled that there was no one to intervene. The Lord searches for somebody to intervene. Doesn't he? Let's keep reading here. Exodus 32. Keep reading. Moses is standing in the gap. He's interceding. He's praying for the people. He's asking the Lord to have mercy. He said, remember Abraham. Remember Isaac. Remember Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self. And you said to them, I will multiply your seed. That's who this bunch is. That's Abraham's seed. As the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed and they shall inherit it forever. And what happened? The Lord repented. That doesn't mean he repented of doing something wrong. That means he said, okay. It won't be that way. Of the evil that he thought to do to his people. Now that... It's powerful. Can you say amen? Amen. Friends, you and I, as Christians, as people who know God to some degree, who are in covenant with Him and walk with Him, we have a responsibility to pray and intercede 
for our nation. Right? Because there's wickedness in the nation. There's ungodliness that's done by people in our land, even leaders in our land. And if, you know, the people get what's coming to them, it's judgment. But you and I are the salt of the earth. Amen? And the light in the earth. We're supposed to be that which preserves. And so, again and again, we should come before the Lord and say, Lord, I know everything's not right in this country. And I know people are not saying and doing everything right. But for our sake and for your church's sake, have mercy. Let this country prosper. Let the economy come up. I know everybody don't deserve it, but for our sake. And have mercy. Amen. Other people that don't know you, give them another chance to repent. Give them some time. And how much more ought we to pray for our own children? Amen. And our own grandchildren. And our own brothers and sisters. Amen. How much more? And some of this, you know, day after day. People, you know, they turn away from God. They don't take the opportunities that they had to get to Him. But friend, as long as there's breath, there's hope. Amen. God's not going to make them serve Him. But friend, you and I can pray and believe in such a way that every time they reject Him, we start in again. And He'll bring them right back to repentance. He'll send labors across their path. He'll enlighten their eyes. And here they are face to face with it again. Right up to the moment of decision. What if they say no? We do it again. What if they say no for 10 years? We do it again. Right? And we're persistent. And we don't quit. And we hold. Amen. Isn't that what he gave us that parable, that text we started out with? That men ought always to pray and not faint. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, please. Glory be to God forevermore. Thank you, Lord, our prayer answering God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes and lift up your hands before the Lord. Begin to thank him and praise him that he has heard your prayers. Lord, we thank you for all the prayers you've heard for our family. How gracious you've been. How good and kind you have been. Thank you. 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 Said out loud, everybody, Father God, thank you for the privilege of prayer. I make myself available to you. Give me the understanding, the wisdom, the knowledge to pray, to intercede before you for those whom you would that you may show mercy. As is your heart, that judgment may be delayed, and that judgment may not come. In Jesus' name, I'm available to you to pray like this. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries, and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.